Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Um, welcome to another episode of Small Doses. We are, we are just, you know, how are we stepping into this new year? Where I know there are people do the memes of just like, we're coming in this new year like this, you know, and like that and like that. And it's like, I don't know, for me, I felt like I have moseyed on into this new year. Like, uh, like I'm strolling into a spaghetti Western. You know, tumbleweeds weeds are moving faster than me. Nonetheless, we are here. And, you know, I think it's been, we just continue to see these last two years that we've been in a pandemic. There's been a lot of change, a lot of pain, a lot of growth, a lot of realizations. There's been a lot of self-reflection, et cetera, et cetera. And we wanted to do this episode, one, because it's positive and it also is reflective of like my own growth on my own relationship journey. But I want to start by saying that when we're doing side effects of a long-term relationship, I want to stress the importance of the word uh in the title because it's just a a long-term relationship, meaning my own long-term relationship. I can only be an expert about my own experiences. So, you know, for me, I haven't been in a relationship where I've lived with somebody and done so for an extended amount of time and done so at this point in my life. Like those are three things that are very contrary to every other experience I've had in relationships. Now, some of y'all might be like, how the fuck are you calling it a long-term relationship if you've only been together for like a year and a half? I've been with my person for 14 years, et cetera, et cetera. You are correct, which is why this is the side effects of a long-term relationship, meaning my long-term relationship. But nonetheless, as Rebecca so smartly pointed out, you know, the dynamics whether it's 14 years or 16 months, the dynamics of getting with somebody and, you know, considering where this is going and then committing to it and then dealing with the other side of that commitment, those are all still phases of any long-term relationship. It's just a matter of where they show up. So that being said, I really just wanted to do this episode too, just because I know that I have learned so much about myself in the process of even getting to this point. And I think that for a lot of us, particularly folks that are like maybe in like the 40s, early 40s age group who are like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find love. You know, there's this idea that it's like, it's a wrap. You're not going to be able to meet somebody. But I think it would be a really helpful conversation just around like maybe mind state shifts and also identity shifts. So that's what we're gonna do. And that's how we're gonna get into it. Let's do a little gem drop. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. So this episode's gem drop is long time versus long term when we talk about relationships. Now let's let's break this down. You can be with somebody a long time, 
but it's not necessarily long-term. But the reason why I give this distinction is because sometimes you're with somebody a long time just because that it just was working, right? Like it was convenient or it was just a vibe or y'all were just going with the flow. But it wasn't like you all had said, we are life partners. That's what long-term is. Long-term is deciding we are here for the long-term. Long time is like we've just been in it a long time. And I do feel like there's an important distinction in that because it's the mindset change that really changes behavior. It's why people a lot of times say like when you're in a marriage, it's just a different mindset about how you deal with things because now you're glued together in a different way. Like you're considering your path in a different way. You're considering your time in a different way. When you're in a long time relationship, you know, it's not to say that breaking up is like on the top of your head, but it's definitely present in a different way than when you're in a long-term relationship where you have decided that, you know, breaking up is not uh, something that's on the tip of your tongue. And it really is also about deciding like how you do conflict resolution, you know, how you're managing uh, finances, how you're considering goals and, you know, the life decisions that you guys are making. I mean, in a long time relationship, like that's kind of just one of those things where you're in it until something disrupts it. And then that's that. A long-term relationship is like you're in it and if something disrupts it, you have already committed to the fact that you're going to do whatever you can within the healthy best interests of both of you to make it past whatever that disruption is. And I'm telling you, it's a different state of mind because I've seen a complete different shift in the way that my relationship operates from when we like got back together to when we decided like, this is it. And I'll talk about that later in that one time, but long time versus long term. And sometimes you may have to be with somebody for a long time before you decide if it's long term, right? Like that's real. Like sometimes it's like, yeah, like I'm not getting with somebody and then boom, off top, like this is what we're doing. That is completely smart and perfectly relevant and makes perfect sense. But I think there's also just the idea that sometimes people are with somebody because you got together maybe at a young age or you got together in like a a space like college, right? Where you're just in a bubble and, you know, there was a intertwining of your lives that made sense for a reason and maybe for a season, but not necessarily a lifetime. We haven't done a DMT in a long ass time, so let's get into it. First question, is monogamy a deal breaker? What are the approaches in this? Yes or no? Is love and monogamy mutually exclusive? I'm not sure how this really relates to a long-term relationship. I feel like it's really just a matter of the type of person you are. Like, for me, monogamy is a deal breaker. Like, if I'm going to be with you, I want to be with just you. That's the type of person I am, and I want to be with somebody who feels the same way. But some people, that doesn't matter, and they are completely fine with being an open relationship, and that is perfectly okay with them. So, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like it just boils down to, like, you got to find the person who has the same values as you. And those values extend across a number of planes. We actually have a whole episode called Side Effects of Values. Like there's like values that are deal breakers to you. And then there are values that are deal breakers to the other person. And it's like, that's the person I feel like that you're going to end up being with in the long term. Somebody who has the same deal breaker values as you. You know, like I am someone who considers loyalty, loyalty shows up in a certain way for me. If loyalty doesn't show up for you in that same way, we're not going to be able to work because loyalty is incredibly important to me. Honesty and transparency. 
Like those are incredibly important part of my value system. It shows up in a particular way for me. If honesty and transparency doesn't show up in the same way for someone else, like that's going to be a problem for me. So, you know, whereas like religion is just not that important to me. And so if the other person, like if their partner's religion is not that important to them, then we can make it work. But I've been with people where religion is not important to me. And to them, like they are incredibly like, you know, wanting to find themselves in how they align with their religion. Well, it's like, well, then we're not going to last long because at a certain point, that's going to be an incredibly important temple for you. And for me, it's never going to be. It's just at, at, at sitting here right now, it's not, you know, so I think it's the same thing when it comes to monogamy and being mutually exclusive. Like I am with somebody who, if I was not mutually exclusive with them, it would drive that nigga crazy, crazy. <laughs> and I am the same, crazy, okay? And that is how left I felt. And that is how Andre Risen's house got burnt down. But I'm bump. Next question. How do you overcome low sex drive slash lack of sexual intimacy after so many years together? Yee! I'm going on 14 years in my current relationship and we are in quite the dry spell. I mean, don't they say like, you know, add spice into the relationship and that's why people start dressing up? <laughs> like, isn't that like the, the thing? Like, that's why people say like, let's bring spice back into our relationship. That's interesting. You know, again, you got to try and match with folks. I'm very fortunate that I'm with somebody. We have the exact same libido <laughs> at present. I don't know. That may change, but we have the exact same idea about it. I feel like we, you know, we were both very smash-tastic in our youthful years. And so we are just not that pressed about it. But I can imagine if you've been with someone for 14 years, you've gone through a journey with them through like certain levels of your maturity and of your like sex drive process. So, you know, but I also feel like that's also related to like where people's head is at. You know, sometimes like if you're not feeling good about yourself, your sex drive might be low. Sometimes if you're like really focused on like getting a goal accomplished, your sex drive might be low. But then the other person, they might be like popping. Like that person who just sent that message, like their shit might be popping. So they're like, man, I'm out here. I'm getting shit done. I'm trying to get smashed. I'm trying to get in there. But I think the key is always just making things fun. I don't know. I just think that ends up being like the bottom line of like this whole life thing. How do you make things feel good. And sometimes like, <laughs> this is going to sound real old. So for all you youths listening, sometimes when you start thinking about sex, you're like, okay, so we're going to have sex. I'm going to have to take a shower. And then like, okay, so the process, all right, so it's going to take about how long. All right. And then I have to go to, mm, I'm going to be tired after. <laughs> like, it's no longer just like, let's go in the closet and get it in. Because you're fitting it into like your life. But what I will tell you uh, to this person who sent this message, and this was told to me by someone who'd been married 20 years, you got to schedule sex. And I know somebody groaned listening just now, like, oh my God, that seems so like sterile. That seems so routine. And it's like, it doesn't have to be. It's like you schedule a trip and you get excited and anticipate the trip. 
So it's like that perhaps is maybe what y'all need to do. Schedule sex so that you can be excited and anticipate the sex. And then everybody involved, everybody involved. Well, I don't know. I'm not assuming. But if it's just you two involved and you know what you're going to bring to the text table and they know what they're going to, maybe you're going to bring some fancy panties. Maybe they're going to bring some candles. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you got a playlist. But I think it ends up just being the fact that when you're in this relationship long-term, like there's just waves of things that are up and that are down. And when they say, oh, relationships take work, the work to me is not only the work you're doing on yourself, which we'll talk about, but it's also like the work of acknowledging that sometimes you're going to have to put energy behind things that may at one point have come just organically and naturally by nature of when you met or the chemistry or et cetera, you know, but we're humans. Like, we're very complex. Like, I know people like to be like, humans are so simple. I don't know what humans y'all fucking with. We're complex. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And, you know, dry spells come for a number of reasons. You just got to bring the rains again. I brought the rains down in Africa. Is that song really about white men talking about bringing the rains to Africa? Because that's some real white savior shit. Next question. What are some green flags of a healthy and loving long-term relationship? Ooh, green flags. I would say, I'm going to speak for myself. I would say both parties actively working towards wellness in their own spaces. So not just like being in couples therapy. And sometimes like you go to couples therapy in lieu of your own therapy because too much therapy is a thing. But it's like you being able to identify like, this is what I need to do to be my best self. And it doesn't have anything to do with this other person. So that might mean yoga. That might mean eating better. That might mean praying more. That might mean reading. That might mean limiting your interaction with social media. That might mean limiting your interaction with certain people in your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like you having to identify like, this is where my wellness lies and it's my responsibility, not my partner's. And it's not to say that it isn't your partner's responsibility to, you know, be helpful in encouraging this and in supporting that, because it is. But it's not their responsibility to be the catalyst for it. It's not. It's you. And you're the one who has to keep it up. So I think that being able to do that without interruption, because that's the other part. Sometimes people are in these relationships and you're trying to do everything for your wellness and your partner is actually like going against your process of wellness. Why? Sometimes it may be because they don't want to take responsibility of their own role in wellness. Sometimes maybe because they see that in you getting to your space of wellness, it feels like you're pulling away from them because in a, listen, when you're in a toxic bond and you start to get better, that means worse for the relationship because the toxicity is what's keeping you together, not the health and the wealth. And sometimes, you know, when you are starting to get healthy and you are trying to bring that into a relationship, sometimes people can feel like you're trying to control things. And it's like that person has to get past that and see that you're not trying to control. You're trying to introduce new habits that maybe both of you all didn't have access to. And if they're not willing to do that, then they are not a part of the health and wealth of that relationship. So I think a green flag is both partners being responsible for their own wellness and also encouraging the others in their independent wellness. I would say another green flag is like teamwork and understanding like the necessary roles of teamwork, like particularly if you live together, you know, like if you live together, you come to realize like there's just shit that has to get done and it's going to require like all hands on deck. And I've been in scenarios where the ego was preventing the effectiveness of that. And it was just like, 
the lack of effectiveness is going to be something that both of us now have to deal with in terms of like a lesser living situation. So why would we not just both get behind this? So I think like another green flag is just being able to like have egos not in the way when it comes to like identifying each other's roles and teamwork. I'll say like in my household, one thing that has really been super duper dope is the fact that like, I think me and Devon both very like quickly, this is one of the things that we didn't have to put work into, but we very quickly identified that like it takes two and that like when there's a big task, he'll do half and I'll do the other half. And that really ends up being like something that it's just nice to not have to feel like you're alone in that. And that you do have somebody who sees like, no, I'm here too. And it's just as much my responsibility as yours. So let's divvy it up. And the last green flag I will say is intimacy that doesn't necessarily have to be attached to sex. So what I mean by that is that like intimacy for a lot of us, you know, when we're trying to figure out what it means, seems like it's about like fucking. And I know I spent a lot of time in my younger days misappropriating, or I guess misnomering. I'm not really sure what the right word is right now, but like misplacing intimacy with just dictimacy. <laughs> and it's like, so I'm thinking that we're having like this intimate exchange because, you know, you're inside my body. But for the other person, like they may not be feeling that way. They may just have been like, you know, you a bad bitch. I'm trying to get in that. And that to me, it, it took a while to understand that like every sexual interaction is not necessarily an intimate interaction. It might literally just be physical. But in conjunction with that, like you can have intimate interactions that are not related to the physical. And sometimes that's about just affection. It, like sometimes that can just be like physical affection, like being held and cuddles. Sometimes it can be in the type of conversations you're having. You know, and being able to create that safe space to have like the types of conversations that may not be reserved for, you know, the the dinner table, et cetera, et cetera. Like sometimes I'll just say to Devon, like, can you just say something sentimental to me? <laughs> and like, you know, he'll think and then he'll give me some sentimental, you know, and there's a certain intimacy in me just being able to say that to him without being self-conscious. And so I think like, it's like having that space of intimacy is really about you being able to show and express with yourself, particularly in this context, you know, in a romantic and a loving way without it feeling like you have to be self-conscious because that's a road in a relationship that takes longer for some than others. In some relationships, it may feel like you never get there, you know? And then if we extend it beyond just romance, it's like the intimacy is just literally the ability for you to be your whole self in front of someone without feeling like they're going to not like you now. And that takes time and trust and, and action. And that's something that you have to consciously create space for, by the way. That's not always just, just happen. Like you have to be consciously aware of that. You know, sometimes people say things to you and you may be flippant about your response because like you're just not even thinking. But that right there, your response that you were flipping about may have put a chink in the intimacy armor. You know, it might have just been like, kuh, 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 kuh. and now that safe space is like air depleting out of it. And now if you're in the film The Martian, what's going to happen is that the whole thing is going to blow up. And now all the potatoes you grew are no longer good. That safe space. 
think it was like the S-Hab or the M-Hab or the L-Hab. I've seen the Martian so many gosh darn times, you would think that I would know. But basically, like, he had created this space in space on Mars where he was able to grow potatoes. And it was a miracle that he was able to do this with the little ingredients that he had in terms of, like, you know, water that he had to collect from his own sweat, et cetera, et cetera. But the metaphor before it gets off the rails is the fact that you create this little bubble in your relationship that's your world. And that world is an ecosystem that you are building with trust. And as you continue to tend to that ecosystem, and as you continue to be caring and nurturing and watchful of that ecosystem, you create space for other things to grow. And when you are not that way, then you create little fissures that can cause things to die and cause things to, you know, it's like my mom's backyard in Florida has become basically a gosh, why do I keep saying gosh darn, has become this sanctuary of sorts where like animals just show up, hawks and possums and raccoons. And it's not even like she has some super duper massive backyard, but she has a big enough backyard where like animals just be showing up, cats, et cetera, because there's no harm there. And it's like gotten like word has gotten out amongst the animals that like when you come to this particular backyard, you're gonna get a bird bath, you're gonna get seed, you're gonna get you know limbs that you can sit on for the shade, you're going to get some little treats and fruits, et cetera, et cetera. And so like they keep coming, and so you want to create that space. That intimate space. So those are some green flags. I know that I went off on a little tangent there. It's been a while since we've done a solo episode. So, you know, bear with me. Next question. How do you support each other through hardships, even though you're both hurting and might not be able to communicate effectively? Um, You know, I really feel like those times require both parties to be really giving of grace. And some might say like, oh, you need to give each other space. But I think maybe it becomes where you learn to inhabit your space with each other differently. So it's like maybe it's being close, but not expecting to speak because communication is like not on point at the time. But like giving each other the grace of not having that expectation I think maybe that's a possibility. I think also it's like, there's no like answer to how to like deal with, like if you're both going through hardships and you're both going through hurting and you don't have the communication, it's like communication is the key and a lot of times in the way that we interact. So there may be different ways to communicate that aren't with words or maybe not verbally. Maybe it's writing stuff to each other. Maybe it's like doing small little acts of service for each other to show you that like I'm here with you. And it's still like isolated in your space so you don't necessarily feel like you're having to like be like pulled, but it's still something that is selfless. Cuz supporting each other shows up in a number of ways. And just being there oftentimes is enough. And sometimes it really is the hardest thing to do. Sometimes it just really feels like, no, I really want to get out of here. I really want to bounce. Like, I really don't want to be in this mix. But I am finding my way to just planting my feet and muddling through this. And that can be so much for someone, particularly someone who may have abandonment issues and is used to people leaving. (laughs) 
How do you escape the stage of comfortability? You both still enjoy each other's company and have fun, but things become routine and expected after a certain period of time. How do you get over that hump to switch up the monotony? You know what? I'm not the right person to answer this question because I don't believe in that. (laughs) To me, that sounds like certainty. And certainty is sexy as fuck. (laughs) To me, that sounds like consistency. Mm, Don't you love consistency? I love it. To me, that sounds like assurance, affirming. Ah, Now, if you're talking about something sexual, like that's a different conversation. But I really feel like what he's describing is for a lot of women I know, that shit is the golden goose. It sounds like reliability. Okay. Now, I feel like, and I I know that some people may be like, you're stereotyping, but I just feel like I hear about this more from men than women, this idea of monotony and of like, oh, it's expected. I want some switching up. I want some excitement. Bungee jump, my brother. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why y'all want shit switching up. Like, I love the consistent. When I tell y'all I love consistency, it brings me peace and grounding and foundation. So I think really what it is, the change in perspective, you know, that's what they say. A miracle is just a change in perspective. It's really you being like, this isn't monotonous. This is connection. Like this is again, assurance, it's reliability, it's consistency, it's security. And that's lovely that I have that because now I don't have to go find it somewhere else. And so many people are missing that thing right there. And that's why they are out here flailing about, flailing about, oh my gosh, like looking for love in all the wrong places. So I think it's also just a change in perspective. I'm curious to know what he means by the things that are expected. You know, like, is it like we are expected to have sex on Tuesdays and Fridays and like, you know, maybe let's just do it on a Sunday one day. You know, is it expected that you're going to make me a peanut butter jelly sandwich and something for lunch? Like, I don't know. When I think of things that are like expected that may like get monotonous, I don't, I can't, (laughs) I'm genuinely like, um, but you also have to know who your partner is too, right? So like, I'll tell you this, I'm with somebody who is a spontaneous person just by nature of the type of person they are. Like I tell you all the time, like, you know, he's going to pop out from behind something and scare me and shit, you know, like he's going to come home with some type of candy or whatever. Like he's going to suggest that we just go to the beach for brunch. Like, you know, so there's a certain level of like spontaneity that just kind of happens by the nature of the type of person you're with. You might be with somebody who just doesn't think that way. So maybe then you need to be the one who thinks that way since you're the one who's missing it, right? And maybe it's about you saying, you know, how can I switch that up? You know, it's like when we realized that Tamia, when she was saying stranger in my house, we thought she was talking about the other person the whole time. And then she realized, oh, hold on. Could it be that the stranger is me? It was her the whole time that she had just fallen into this like version of herself that, you know, she wasn't used to. And now she's like, oh my God, I got to switch it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a stranger in your house. That was a good DMT session. I missed y'all. Thank you. That, that one, one time. time.
so that one time, you know, I was trying to think of like what I wanted to do for that one time in terms of stories, because I've been in a long time relationship and I've been in a long term relationship. And the biggest difference was that when I was in a long time relationship, there was always a vibe. There was always an energy of like, this could be it. And there was always this feeling like, you know, if the wrong thing was said or that if, you know, the argument, you know, went too far, that like, that was that. And we would always end up coming back together. But at a certain point, it just became like a completely toxic relationship because we were only together by nature of habit, not by health. In this relationship, you know, my partner and I, I think we arrived eventually at this understanding of like, oh, we're not dating. Like we're together. This is a life partnership and, you know, we going to stick it out. And I think that's the real difference that people don't understand between like, you know, marriages and being with somebody, right? Because you don't necessarily have to be married by the state of California or wherever you're at to be in a marriage state of mind. And the marriage state of mind simply says we have aligned our lives together in such a way that we understand that we're better together than apart. And thus everything that we are doing needs to be moving in that direction. Now you can say that and it's a lot easier to say than do, but once you've said it, it does give you a thesis statement and something to ground yourself to, to move forward to. You know, like I know a lot of, I won't say a lot, but I know women who, particularly women, I know homegirls who want to be with somebody in a long-term relationship, but they have devised in their mind this version of the person. And if they meet somebody and they don't have like those aspects in that particular way, then they can't see the person beyond that. What I mean to say is, so let's say like you're shopping for a car and you want something that has keyless entry. You want something that has passenger side airbags. You want something that has a sunroof. And you want something that handles well on rocky terrain, okay? If you've decided that those things have to be in a Benz, you're ignoring that there are a number of other vehicles that have those things that can be just as effective, maybe not better for you than the Benz. So like when you look at a person and you're like, okay, I want them to be ambitious. I want them to be someone who's monogamous. I want them to be funny. I want them to be adventurous. Okay. You may have in your mind that the way that those things show up are in a very specific way. So like ambitious may mean that they have a lot of money. Adventurous may mean that, you know, they go hiking. They, they're really into like hiking and doing those types of trips. They are funny might mean that they, uh, you know, they got jokes. And monogamous means that, you know, they are committed to just you. Well, adventurous can show up in a number of different ways. Okay. Like someone might not be adventurous in the way that they like to go hiking, but they like to travel. They're curious about other places and are willing to go into other spaces that they're not comfortable in. Ambitious doesn't necessarily have to be money. Someone who's ambitious may be somebody who is actively pursuing their best self, and maybe they're not established yet, but they are moving in that direction. And monogamy, I mean, I feel like there's only one version of that, but 
you know, sometimes people feel like, okay, that means that they want to get married. They, they have to want to get married. Well, some people might not want to get married, but they want to be with one person and they want to tie themselves to one person and be committed in their whole selves to that person. You know, funny, someone might not necessarily have like all the jokes, but they may be silly, you know, or they may love comedy just like you. So what I'm saying, though, is that like you have to kind of sometimes open your mind to the fact that like how you envisioned it may not be how it shows up, but that doesn't mean it's not there in the way that you want it. I mean, it is there sometimes in the way that you want it. You just can't see it because you only envisioned it one way. And that's not about settling. That's, again, about changing perspective. And I think there's a lot of us who, when we are trying to determine who is right for us, we have thought about it for so long before anyone actually showed up that we got very rigid in how we think about it. I'm not going to tell you, you know, that you need to settle or know that you need to compromise, but it does take some analysis. It does. And sometimes you realize like, oh, I need to get out of my own way because I'm over here blocking peace of mind. Like I'm, I'm not seeing something the way that it actually can be seen because of my own shit. And now that I see it, I can own it in such a better way and I can receive from that and I can pour into that in such a better way. But that's something that I've had to like learn in my own time. And it's been dope to see somebody else do the same with me, right? Because it really becomes a matter of decision-making and deciding like, are we really gonna keep arguing about this bullshit? Like for real, when you realize that you just don't have to argue, oh my God, that shit was like finding that last infinity stone. So we just don't have to argue about this? Huh. Okay. You know, and you got to see how people going to move. Like I know I'm somebody who like gets afraid that if we don't discuss this right now, right now, that it's not going to get discussed and it's not going to get dealt with. So like someone has to show me he had to demonstrate to me that even if we don't talk about this right now, that it will be addressed and that it will be considered. Because, you know, you want to know that like you're, if, if you're particularly an older person, like if you're, you know, at this point in my life, like I'm not letting shit fly just because I want to keep the peace if it's something that I think is very important. But I've also had to learn like, you know what? You can use an economy of words and you can say what your issue is and then move on. And you keep an awareness about if that's being addressed and that the actions are changing, but you can state it and move. Do you understand how hard it has been for me to stick and move? Y'all, because I'll stay on some shit. Listen, I'm on a podcast where I got to be talking about myself for like an hour. I can stay on some shit now. But again, for the sake of, oh, we're in this, we're not going away from this. We probably going to have to discuss this several more times in this relationship. And then it might get better and it might backpedal. Because that's what long-term is. And humans change at different paces. Humans move at different paces. All of this is just, a, you know, it's a river. You know, you're going to have rapids. You're going to have some placid parts. You're going to have some waterfalls. It's going to narrow. There's going to be tributaries, et cetera, et cetera. So the long-term of it is when you decide, like, well, we just going to, we going to ride. We going we gonna to ride it. We going to lazy river this shit. And hold on tight. The script. So for the script, first of all, 
In your own self-work, I think on a basic note, and I'm sure this is cliche, but whatever, it's always good to read that four agreements. Because the four agreements really gives you some real basic, basic concepts to just ground yourself in to keep you from being the uh, antagonist in your long-term relationship. And if both of you all can sign up for, I'm not going to take things personal, I'm always going to try my best. I can't remember what the other two are right now, but that's why you need to go get the book. If you can sign up for that, shit, it helps. Also get you and your partner aligned with the love languages. Them love languages may seem like some cliche shit, but I have seen them be very helpful because at the end of the day, we were talking about communication earlier, they are the different ways that people communicate love. And sometimes you are completely misreading the love that's being thrown at you as something else because you didn't understand that that's that person's love language. And they may not understand what your love language is. Like for me, it's not enough to just like apologize. You better come and put a hand on my shoulder. You better you better do some type of touch. I, I need a kiss. I need a hug. Like that's just a part of my love language. Okay. And like my partner, like he acts of service. And acts of service doesn't mean like, you know, I'm washing his car. But like making him a cup of coffee goes a long way. A long way. Longer than I would say, like him making me a cup of tea, like I appreciate it, I love it, but it doesn't hold the same love languageosity that it does for him. Also, I think if you just check out Showtime's series, Couples Therapy, it really is interesting because in watching these couples work through their own personal interactions and their own personal struggles, they may not necessarily be your struggles, but it's very educational to see how this therapist works them through those things and the ways in which at the end of the day, all of us are simply just dealing with our own baggage when we're dealing with someone else. And the ways that shows up in this series is uncanny. And you might be like, well, I'm not, you know, because the couples are all, you know, unique. And you're like, well, I'm not like them and I'm not like them. And, I, and then as you keep watching, you're like, oh, okay, I do do that. Okay, all right, all right. Oh, yeah, I did, I, I've been I've, I've been through that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just a nice way to softly deal with your own bullshit. <laughs> by watching others deal with theirs in a very real way. So four agreements, showtimes, couples therapy, and the love languages. Get you the script. The last dose. So there we have it. You guys, we've been doing this podcast since 2018. Over the course of that time, you have seen me date people. You've seen me talk shit about people. You've seen me love people. You've seen me get hurt. I mean, I've lost a child. I mean, I've had such a journey and I continue on this journey. And I think it's really super dope that I've been able to cultivate this space with you guys where I hope that, well, I know that because you share with me, you know, that I am joining you on your own journeys. And I said this before, and I really mean it. I've learned that my transparency is a form of philanthropy. And I got to say, you know, I ran into D-Nice the other day, and he was like, oh, my God, Amanda, what's good? Oh, my girl, Amanda. And he was like, I'm so happy. 
happy to see you. Oh my God, yo, just just seeing you in love is so beautiful. You know what I'm saying? You just so, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful, he's got me in a headlock at this point. He's like, it's such a beautiful thing, you know? Cause I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know if you was gonna find that cause you're so tough. Pump the brakes, Derek. Pump, 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 pump it. And I was like, what you mean? And he's like, you tough. And I was like, nah. If you think I'm tough, it's because you haven't given me a reason to be soft. And that's really the story for so many of us. People see a version of us that we show them because that's the version that has had to show up for us to maintain. And when someone gives you the opportunity to be vulnerable, to show softness, to, you know, let them in, particularly us cancers, then they have done something right. They have. People say to me all the time, like, you need to be more vulnerable. You need to be more vulnerable. And it's like, I am incredibly vulnerable. I just don't necessarily feel like everybody has demonstrated the acuity to handle my feelings with care. So therefore, I'm not going to place them in their hands so that they can fumble my shit. And then I'm the one who has to deal with it because I get easily disappointed because I am an empath and because my feelings get hurt and I'm sensitive. No. So I'm conscious and cognizant about who I allow to have access to that part of me. And in this journey to finding partners, it's really been trial and error with that. Sometimes, you know, I'm thinking I'm being conscious and I'm finding out like, no, you're actually being dumb and they got you. Gotcha, bitch. He conned the shit out of you. You thought he was a safe space and he wasn't. You know, sometimes it'd be like that with friends, etc. So I'd say all that to say though, that the goal is to be able to take your mask off and live with it off. And I will say that people come up to me and they're like, Amanda, like you just seem so happy now. You're just so lighter, et cetera, et cetera. And I can safely say part of that is because I'm in the house all the time and I simply just don't have to deal with as many uh, jackholes on a regular basis as I used to. The other part of that is that I'm with somebody that has consistently demonstrated a foundation of reliability and of support and of acceptance of who I am and love for who I am in a way that has only bolstered my own freedom to be that in other spaces. It's taken some time and it's going to continue to be a a work in progress. And for those of us out here who are listening, who have been in relationships for, you know, 10 and 11 and 15 and 20 years, I know that your stories are going to be possibly very different than mine. You know, you may have had other suggestions and answers to these DMTs, which is why this episode is When I say side effects of a long-term relationship, I mean my long-term relationship. But we continue on this journey. I'm so glad that we get to continue to do this. We are in another year. It's a new time. Same shit. (laughs) But we will continue to forge forward. Thank you to everybody who has been uh, listening. And if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. You can also make sure to check out our Patreon where I have extended um, segments from Small Doses. And we also are beginning some new audio content that you all will be able to get into. So Patreon is our space for exclusive bonus content. So head over to patreon.com slash smartfunnyandblack and make sure to continue to support the content that we've been creating and that we're going to create. Happy New Year! Or just New Year, because I feel like happy is a high bar.
Star Brands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.